How about a top five, Mark? Go for it. Guilty pleasure. Been asked this before, and I have difficulty with this question because, for a start, I don't really know what's supposed to be hip at the moment. Anyway, <laughs> almost a decade in Haiti and Mali, and so, so I don't really know what I'm supposed to like and I'm not supposed to like. And uh, generally, if I like something, I like it, and I don't really apologise for it. I mean, my, my guilty pleasures tend to be. You know, an extra glass of wine while cooking, like you know, or a sneaky little, <laughs> a sneaky little nightcap when everyone else is going to bed. I had a look through, you know, today I read an article on the sort of Grammy nominees and stuff, most of whom I'd never actually heard of. On listening through a couple of those, like the the Billie Eilish song, I thought it was pretty good. The James sure Bond one, she did. I I listened to it the other day again because a friend and I were talking about Billie Eilish and. Uh, I don't know what the James Bond theme's called. Whenever that Bond movie comes out, whenever it is next year or this year or whatever. But yeah, I was like, man, I remember when James Bond themes had like, they got you in the first eight bars, right? You know, that was it. But this song just goes on for like four minutes. And then the last 20 seconds, the the strings come in and then it ends. I was like, come on. It was a a bit gloomy for me, you know, for a Bond theme. I haven't actually heard that. You know, I've been kind of a bit, cut off. <laughs> I, oh, I heard The weekend for the first time. I mean, I knew who The weekend was. I just had no great desire to go and listen to him or check it out. But I saw the thing he did at Super Bowl or I saw a clip of it or whatever and I was like, well, that's, that's actually quite catchy. And then I remembered I'd heard that when I had did Take On Me in 1984 or whatever it was, it's the same riff, you know. I was like, I knew I'd heard it somewhere before, you know. So, but it was actually pretty good. I thought it's a decent kind of pop. Tune and all yeah, that, I mean, know? I listened through a few of the, the kind of sort of Grammy nominees for like you know best record, hmm. uh, and you know to be honest, there was nothing that that really I thought was terrible, and there was nothing that I thought was very good. I have you know I I didn't really know any of them. <laughs> um, you know, I have to confess, I'm a bit cut off from all of that. Well, we can put this next question, this next question will help put that to rights then. So who should we be listening to? Who should we put on our playlist that you would recommend for us? Kind of bombarded with so much stuff that uh, it's difficult to kind of identify things. So uh, some people that I know and have seen, a guy called MD, is a Malian musician who's now based in Montreal or Quebec somewhere, uh, EMDE. Who's a really talented singer and uh, player of the something approaching a camel and goni. So it's, it's kind of like a, a West African harp. He's a great singer and uh, uh, musician. Sarah Beth Nelson, great uh, songwriter from San Francisco. I'll do for a start. I'll <laughs> do for a start. Um, we could always put one. How many albums have you actually done yourself? Speaking of that, though, we never we talked about the 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 last one you did and the most recent one. What's your uh, your discography so far? Solo albums. Solo albums. Um, I've done two, but about twenty altogether with uh, various different kind of band projects and collaborations. Or so, so about twenty or so. Are you are you much of a karaoke man, Mark? What would your go-to karaoke song be? I've never actually done a karaoke, but uh, but one thing you know, one thing that will always get me up dancing and singing along is kind of old Stone stuff, right? You know, give you know, Jumping Jack Flash or Give Me Shelter or whatever. Well, yeah. it's not karaoke, but you know, 
If I've had a few drinks and uh, somebody sticks that on loud, then I'll probably be up there. You're good to go. Do a Mick impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> just, just between you and I, since we're the only ones here, right? But I was in a Stones band for maybe the last... Oh, God, I can't be starting 2010 or 2011. Yeah, 2010, maybe even before that. And we finished in 2018 when I... Le- or 2017 when I left South Korea. So, yeah, I did... Did a lot of stone songs in my time, but they were great fun to play, right? You know, but we did some kind of more obscure stuff in there as well, like Midnight Rambler and all that stuff, and ten minute songs you can jam in the middle and all that, and some really cool stuff. So yeah, I've had I've had some good fun playing stone songs over the years. I've, I've had a few amusing experiences with stone songs. It was it one time back in like in the late nineties we were playing in the. There was a little Irish bar in Berlin that we used to play in and uh, the, the owner of the bar was a huge fan of the Stones so uh, we always knew that we'd play, play a few Stones songs and we'll get an extra round of whiskey. You know. so get a bit of dead flowers in or something like that, you know. Or, a bit of dead flowers, uh, a bit of sweet Virginia. Can't, oh, can't uh, beat it, right? Uh, you know, you get a little single moment in there. At a certain point, his uh, his wife said, "Oh, you know, it's a, it's a, I can't even remember his name, but it, it, was, it was his birthday coming up, and, and it's like, would you be would you be up for doing? It was, uh, it was me and my friends Joe and Keely. Uh, it was like, would, would you be up for doing a whole evening of Rolling Stones songs for his birthday? It's like, yeah, sure. And and between us, we knew enough Rolling Stones songs to go on for you know four or five hours." <laughs> And it was great fun, the whiskey was flowing and uh, various of the people that were invited to the party were other bar owners so they all wanted a Rolling Stones evening and to do it once was fun to do it the second time I'd lost the mystique or the I'd magic to it like, okay, well, you know, okay we'll do satisfaction alright uh, and then we ended up agreeing to do a third one which I, you know Ended up staying up all night drinking with a, a friend, and I, I was just not interested in this gig. <laughs> so uh, you know, I had been drinking for thirty six hours by the time showed up for the gig, and then did a, an impersonation of the time that Keith Richards fell asleep during Cool to <laughs> But at least it had the result that we were never asked to do it again. Mission <laughs> accomplished, I know. Oh, man. And, and another, another occasion, came back from a gig to find my flatmate rehearsing with uh, his uh, his bandmate. This is two o'clock in the morning, and uh, came back from uh, from a gig. They were rehearsing for a competition because they'd reached the final of a competition, doing Rolling Stones songs for the ra- the radio in Berlin. I came back from the gig, you know, having had a few drinks and. Uh, so I, I grabbed a banjo and joined in with them. So we ended up jamming Rolling Stones songs all night. And the, you know, every so often, the, the final of the competition was at 9 o'clock the next morning, which is a terrible time to have a competition. <laughs> Rolling Stones songs. So yeah, it's quite inappropriate, I would say. You know? I, I would say. So every time we're like, oh, well, I've got another bottle of whiskey in the cupboard. Should we have a drink? It's like, well, what would Keith do? He would probably have another drink, wouldn't he? Okay, let's have another drink. So we ended up drinking all night, and I got co-opted into the band, and then we went, <laughs> we went to the radio show. There was all all of these German Rolling Stones cover bands who were all had all 
practiced to perfection for the, the previous... You get your open tunings and your five strings and all that caper, yeah. right? So we stumbled up absolutely fleeing and uh, did uh, Sweet Virginia and uh, I, I can't remember what else. The we didn't win the thing. But the judges did give us a special mention for probably being the most authentic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain aroma when these guys come into the room. Not an aura, but an aroma, you know. <laughs> oh, that's quality, man. So that was a short-lived experience, if, if eventful nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, you've played in so many places in so many countries. Mark. What is there a venue that stands out for you? Or maybe a venue that you haven't uh, been able to play at yet? A venue that stands out for me that I've played in many, many times is, uh, I don't know if you know the, the 12 Bar in London? I don't know. In, in Denmark Street. It's a tiny little venue, but it was going, I mean it's closed now. Uh, uh, criminally, I think the whole of Denmark Street has been demolished and turned into some hipster you know, thing, whatever. I think even worse, like, you know, some oh. sort of shopping shopping centre oh. with some sort of music theme or something. Like uh, we should say for anyone listening, Denmark Street was basically where the instruments were primarily bought and sold, yeah, yeah. right? Or sold in anyway, yeah. the music shops. Uh, uh, yeah, and like the Sex Pistols practised. Right. Was, like, you know, the, the 12 bar was going for like 50, 60 years and, you know, everybody played there. It's a tiny, tiny little venue. When you stood on the, the stage, you had the balcony was about at your forehead level, about a meter in front of in front of you when you were standing on the stage, and then everybody else was down there. It was a capacity in the in the actual concert room of about fifty people, you know, packed in. A wonderful place to play. Which uh, my first solo album was actually it was a double album. The, the, the second disc was a live album from the the twelve live at the twelve bar. Otherwise, like, you know, my favourite bars these days are the ones that uh, have enabled me to play in recent years, which is uh, the bar across the road from me here in Paris, like Ma Pomme and Collimaison, uh, which is the, my, my favourite bar to play in in Paris, and the, the village down the country where we spend a lot of time is uh, the bar called L'Escal uh, in saint Louis, which... Uh, they were really proud of uh, the first tour that I did with uh, Craig and Hannes. Printed a, f a flyer with all the, the gig dates on it. And uh, the dates were Antwerp, London, Paris, Samboise. So the, the, they've always kept a copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts is it? Speaking of that then, geographically. 200 kilometres south of Paris. Okay. On the, on the, Loire, on the Loire. All right, so... A uh, kind of sleepy village type. Uh, otherwise, it's a sleepy village. It's a sleepy village, but a sleepy village with that still has a heart because so many villages no longer have any kind of, uh, you know, bar, restaurant, boulangerie, uh, whatever. <clears throat> there, it's a it's a bar, restaurant, grocery, post office, tobacconist. I've had uh, at least 15 fantastic gigs there. <laughs> Brilliant. The village turns out and everybody from round about and it's always a, always good fun. A bit of a soiree to use the Glaswegian yeah. as well as the French maybe, you know. Indeed, indeed. And, and you know, it's, it's much less prestigious than other venues that I've played in, but always, uh, always good fun. 
feels a bit more like uh, yeah, something a bit more real or a bit more earthy in that respect. Then, anyway. that's what it sounds like, champion. Uh, last question for you then. How about someone you don't get? You know that way when you're talking to a musician, or maybe we just talked about the Stones there for a while. It's maybe it had a kind of uh, a shelf life, as it were. You know, or to listen to the songs is all right. But is there someone you, you've listened to and you just think, oh yeah. I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, I saw a gig maybe about a year ago uh, of uh, Baxter Jury, Ian Jury's son. Okay. And lot, and everybody was, it was in a little bar in Paris, and everybody was raving about it, and it was, uh, and I just didn't get it at all. Uh, is it, you know, this, this kind of lo-fi folk thing that, uh, you know, oh, I'm really proud not to be able to play my instrument. Like, you know, it was like, oh. You know, you're Ian Jury's. You're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You should be able to, there's no reason for not to be able to play your instrument. Or at least a wee bit, you know? And I I just didn't get it at all. You know, I mean, I've I've subsequently heard a couple of songs of his, you know, from records, which were okay, like, but, you know, it was just, it was like, I just don't get this. Especially as a live experience, it just didn't. I'm not really a fan of this kind of lo-fi folk thing, you know, you know, you kind of, think about with you know just just play the bloody song if it sounds good just play it but <laughs> nothing to lose you know? is there someone else um like in your local parisian scene that you might uh you might recommend to us just since you talked about the the neighborhood the venue and all that i mean the the, the best gig that uh, i saw I mean, obviously there haven't been any gigs recently in Paris, but maybe, you know, back a year or so ago, just around the corner, uh, saw uh, Jupiter, Jupiter and Oquest International. Great, uh, great band from uh, from Kinshasa, uh, who play quite often around here. Uh, um, that's kind of the best gig I saw around here recently. Well, Mark, it's been an absolute blast. I'm, uh, it's been nice to kind of... Uh to say I quite a lot and use other kind of words that other people might have some difficulty with. But I think between the two of us, our accents have been quite, I wouldn't say polished over the years, but they've been, uh, yeah, the, the rough edges have been maybe buffed out a wee bit. I mean, that, that this is the thing about being expatriated, particularly from our part of the country, is that you tend to, to, to kind of... Uh, Refine, uh, polish your accent. <laughs> when you start having a couple of drinks and speaking to a fellow native, um, then it, it, my accent may have come back a bit stronger than usual when talking to French or German people. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure was all mine, Matt. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Actually, a, a Dortmund story that I forgot to tell was once ended up meeting up with a guy. We played, and I can't remember what, it was some kind of folk club in Dortmund. And we met up with a guy who was a, a, a hairdresser in the British Army, like a barber in the mm. British Army. But it turned out that he had actually written Don't Blame It, Blame It on the Boogie, which was covered by Michael Jackson. <laughs> That's a surreal have you, story, have you ever, man. <laughs> have, 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 you, have you ever encountered this guy? No. That's, that's but, completely uh, mad. <laughs> he, he was playing in a band with his brothers and a few mates in, like, you know, Coventry or one of these horrible places in the middle of England. And they mostly did covers, but they had a few of their own songs. And, you know, they played, like, every Saturday night in the local bar. And after a gig one night, this guy comes up to him and said, that last song that you played, who's it by? It's like, oh, it's one of mine. And he's like, eh... Uh, I have an artist that would be interested in covering it. You know, would you be interested? Sure, why not? 
Turned out it was Michael Jackson. <laughs> so <laughs> Michael Jackson, this guy was playing in a bar in like you know scum some scum hole. <laughs> Grimsby or something, you know. <laughs> no, no, no offense to people from those places, but yeah, I know. What you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'm sure they would agree. Aesthetically challenging, you know. <laughs> I grew up in Cumbernauld, I know all about it. I I was refraining from (laughs) Speaking from personal personal trauma, you know. As Craig Craig used to refer to it, uh, Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the list goes on, indeed. So Michael Jackson ended up covering his song and it became a huge global hit. You know, well, you know, Michael Jackson died, but I mean, he's, he's, he's continued like cutting hair for the British Army because, like, well, you know, I don't know what else to do. I'll do my job, but you know, but we ended up so we ended up jamming "Don't Blame It" on the boogie with him in a kebab shop in Dortmund <laughs> at like four o'clock in the morning. Which <laughs> <laughs> is just one of those beautifully surreal music moments that music brings you to. <laughs> yes, yes, I. I can. I think on that note, we just have to end it there, right? That's it. I'm speechless, man, you know. There's always a kebab story involved there somewhere, but yes, that that, that does take the, the proverbial one.